0: If you're having girl problems, I put back for your son. I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. Welcome to another edition of NXT Revisited. It is Jason here in the house. I was originally set to be joined by Troy. He couldn't make it. Asked Ginger to cover Ginger feeling under the weather. So, a perfect storm of events has led to me flying solo this week. So, I'm going to try to gently guide you through your first NXT experience. And I promise, folks, I will be gentle. We kick off this week's edition of NXT with a recap of all the chaos surrounding the Tag Team Championships here in NXT. And we went over this last week. I suggest you go back and listen to that episode with Ginger and myself. Just absolute chaos. The upshot of the whole thing was that the Viking War Raider experience vacated the NXT Tag Team titles. And that is where we pick up this edition of NXT because we start with William Regal set to make a huge announcement on his own and not through Kathy Kelly this time, because that was a thing for the last few weeks, but not tonight. Tonight, Regal announces that in two weeks, it is going to be the Street Profits versus Only Lorcan and Danny Burch versus the Undisputed Era versus the Forgotten Sons at NXT TakeOver 25, and this is sort of what we thought, but the one thing we didn't get, we didn't predict. This is going to be a ladder match, y'all. And uh, looking at this on paper... This is going to be a hell of a match. I, I, I'm i hard-pressed to determine who I think the favorites are. Uh, we talked last week about how we wouldn't be shocked to see them give the Prophets a run, and I could totally see that with the role they've been on. But, man, the Undisputed Era. I, this is going to be a hell of a ladder match. I'm really looking forward to it. And You know Birch and uh, Lorcan are going to go crazy in there. And, uh, you know, uh, Forgotten, Forgotten Sons will be there, too. So there's that. We go out to the arena, and we are... Instantly introduced to the Undisputed Era as they make their way out. And ladies and gentlemen, if you are not watching Kyle O'Reilly every second during an Undisputed Era entrance, you are missing out. He has the best entrance in professional wrestling, hands down. He's got so much energy to his entrance and does such goofy shit. You've got to watch it, because if you don't, you're missing out. They get in the mic, and Cole says that they've heard the whispers and that everyone is wrong. The Undisputed Era is going nowhere. They're finally all back on the same page and says they own everyone in the back and they won't stop until they own NXT. Soon, they will all be draped in gold. And this draped in gold thing is sort of a gimmick they've been going with for almost a year now. Uh, Hasn't come to fruition yet, but there's a big chance, a big part of it could happen at TakeOver. We'll see if that's, that's how it plays out. But... He says at TakeOver, Fishing O'Reilly will get the tag titles and he will take the heavyweight championship from Johnny Gargano. Of course, this brings out Johnny Gargano in his spiffy new yellow Johnny Champion t-shirt. Uh, with It's fu- sort of funny, at the end... The N at the end of champion is then dropped down into NXT. Sort of interesting little creative twist to the shirt. Uh, But yeah, go on and grab a Johnny Champion shirt if you like Johnny Gargano. Anyway, Johnny says that Cole knows he can't beat him on his own, and Cole reminds Johnny that in their match he won the first fall. This leads to a math lesson from Johnny Gargano where he takes about five minutes to explain to Adam Cole how two out of three falls matches work and that Cole only won one fall. Well, Gargano won two, which means Gargano won the majority of the falls. There go for the match and the NXT Heavyweight Championship. It's always nice when you can get a little education with your professional wrestling, as we got in this week's episode. Cole goes on to say that he'll beat Johnny again in New York, and as Cole is talking, Matt Riddle jumps the Undisputed era from behind, and Johnny helps him. They get a little Pier 6 brawl. Goes crazy. For the second Basically the second segment in a row when you get down to it, because we ended last week's show with just a crazy Pier 6 brawl, and we sort of start this week's live action with with the same thing. Eh, you know, it works, I guess, but maybe a little too much of that in a short period of time? I don't know. Um, The highlight here for me is that if you watch, Matt Riddle runs down in street clothes, but he is still barefoot even though he's in jeans and a t-shirt. That is just such a beautiful Matt Riddle touch. We go to our first match and Sean Maluda is out. I goddamn loved this guy in the Cruiserweight Classic. I remember thinking he he would fit in so nicely in like a stable with the Usos or some sort. Nothing. They did nothing with this guy. I really wish they had done more with him. I see a lot of potential in Sean Maluda, and hopefully somewhere down the road he gets a break. But would not be today, because today he is facing Mansoor. That's right, Mansoor of the glorified Jobber Squad in NXT is getting the second entrance. And that does not bode well for Sean Maluta. Uh As Mansoor makes his way out, one lady is very, very excited and screams very loudly. And I know this because nobody else makes a fucking sound. Nobody knows who this guy is. Nobody gives a shit. Except that one lady. She is really fucking into Mansour. So good for her. Good for him, I guess. Anyway, we start Mansour with an impressive sequence early on. Uh, Maluda counters it and takes control of the match before hitting a second rope code breaker. Very nice move by Maluda. Mansoor has an impressive slingshot neck breaker, eventually hits a variation on the crossroads for the win. That's right. Mansoor with a win. I guess maybe the glorified jobber thing they were doing with him was sort of a slow build to make him something. Um, I wasn't, I didn't come out of this super impressed. There were some nice spots in here. Um, I don't see him as anything more than, you know, a low mid-card guy in NXT. But, you know, hey, he got a win. Good on him. They clearly see something in him. um, And maybe down the road and in other situations, we'll, we'll see a little more development out of Mansoor. But clearly somebody that they have pegged for something going forward. We then go back to Kathy Kelly, who has resumed her normal position standing right outside William Regal's office, waiting for any nugget of information that William Regal might have. I gotta wonder, like, is that just her office? Like, she she got one of those, like, rolling, floating desks that they just leave outside of William Regal's office, like, just in case something happens at all times. Like, 4 a.m. at fucking full sale on a day they're not doing tapings. Kathy Kelly is just hanging out outside that one door, hoping for some nugget of knowledge from William Regal, who's not even fucking there. I don't know. That's just in my headspace. That's how it works. Anyway. Uh, As she's standing outside, the Undisputed Era comes out yelling, and Regal comes out a little disheveled, uh, clearly has just been in an argument, and says that he doesn't approve of the Undisputed Era's behavior, and that as a result at TakeOver, Matt Riddle will take on Roderick Strong, and this week, uh, as our main event, Kylo Riley and Bobby Fish will take on Johnny Gargano and Matt Riddle. So, as a way of punishing the Undisputed Era, uh, William Regal decided to give the only member of Undisputed Era that wasn't already on the takeover card a high-profile match against a young star and the main event slot on this week's show. I wish I got punished like that when I was a kid and acted like an asshole, because that seems like a pretty good punishment if you're a sports entertainer. Nah, I maybe mean, it's just me. We go back to the ring, and Dream, Velveteen Dream, I should say, is out in a... <sighs> Great suit. Uh, Sort of imagine a Civil War general meets Elton John. A lot of of sort of flowing this pirate shirt style uh, stuff going on there. Not quite sure where you pick something like that up. I don't necessarily think they sell it on the campus at full sale. Uh, Maybe custom made. Who knows? Dream's a high profile guy. Anyway, Dream says that people want to get their hands on the Dream. They want to touch the Dream. They want to hold the Dream. But the Dream is too big to hold. Very, very subtle reference. I'm not sure if y'all caught it, but he was talking about his penis. Then, of course, we hear some vaguely familiar music. We, we haven't really heard this music in a while. The crowd recognize it instantly and loses their shit. As Tyler Breeze's music, and same intro with the boots and everything. And Prince Pretty has returned to NXT. NXT. This leads tons of heterosexual men in the crowd to begin chanting, Breeze is gorgeous, and it is 2019, so I ain't even mad at him. Loud welcome home chant from the crowd, and that actually broke Tyler a little bit. He got a big smile on his face when the welcome home chant started. Uh, he then follows that up by saying he is home. Br- While well, he says that uh, Velveteen Dream mouse that he may be home, but it's his house. I thought that was a nice little touch off the microphone by by velveteen, by velveteen. There, uh, Breeze then says that like Dream, when he was there, everyone was talking about him. But since he left, it's NXT's been dull, and says that basically accuses the Dream of just being a cheap knockoff of Tyler Breeze. Dream says that the NXT universe wants a real man and not a boy who plays cops and robbers. That got the ooh from the crowd. Uh, and because Breeze couldn't cut it on Mondays and Tuesdays doesn't mean he gets to walk back in here. Dream laying on the you were failed on the main roster stick pretty thick, and Tyler took it in stride. Breeze says that Dream inspires him, as does the North American Championship. Dream calls Breeze a dollar store detective and says that he spent too much time in catering. Uh, on the main roster, and that the line for the North American title starts outside. But Dream says as a consolation prize, he'll offer a selfie with the champ. Bree says that he'll take the selfie, but wants to remind Dream that when you write your name and number on your trunks and nobody calls you, it's because they aren't interested. He then lays out the velveteen dream before walking away i thought this was a really cool segment a lot, little bit of inside jokes a little bit of uh some some jabs that inside fans or fan longtime fans will understand the catering line the cops and robbers line obviously um i particularly liked the tyler breeze line about when you put your name on your or your number on your trunks of course that's sort of a callback to when uh dream wore the call me up vince trunks and of course didn't get called up so uh i thought that was really well done i thought there was they added some sort of legitimate things behind it that could create heat between the two uh it's going to make things a lot more interesting we then come backstage to kathy kelly looking like a goddamn snack chilling outside the door randomly chilling outside the door right? apparently she's also she's not only the primary workspace mouthpiece for William Regal and I don't mean that the way it sounded but she's apparently also uh sort of like a Nostradamus because she knew exactly when and where Tyler Breeze was going to walk outside because I can't imagine that she left her post outside William Regal's office for any extended period of time that would allow her to just hang out outside the door waiting for Tyler Breeze, uh, who left, by the way, in full gear, because that's a thing many wrestlers do. Uh, anyway, she asks Tyler his motivation for attacking the dream, and he says he just wanted to introduce the dream to an inspired Tyler Breeze. And that's like the third time he's mentioned the inspired thing. So I think that's something they're going to run with. Um, I love this segment. I'm so glad to see Tyler Breeze back in NXT. And ironically enough, uh, when we go back to before he was even called up, I was saying at the time, and and longtime listeners of the Rundown can can agree to this and, and can verify this, as well, my co-host. Way back then, I was saying the NXT needed a secondary title because a guy like Tyler Breeze would benefit so much from having a secondary title in NXT, and then he returns to NXT to challenge for the secondary title. Uh, That was just sort of ironic and sort of funny. Uh, Candice LeRae comes out as we return back to the ring. uh, uh, Following her, Reyna Gonzalez comes out, and Reyna Gonzalez has taken a perfectly good pair of jeans and turned them into assless chaps. They do, in fact, sell assless chaps. I mean, all chaps are but they do in fact sell chaps. You can just buy them. You don't need to ruin a perfectly good pair of jeans, Reyna. Anyway... Uh, Reina towers over Candace and does a nice job early on of using her power advantage and sort of showcasing this. Really, not much to this match. Candace eventually wins with a springboard moonsault. This was really more of a vehicle to get to where we got at the end because as Candace is celebrating, the horsewomen Shayna Baszler, Lady Groot, and Batgirl come out and they attack Candace. And as they begin the process of the group beatdown, Io Shirai runs out with a kendo stick. I gotta wonder, like, I love, I I can't stand the fact sometimes, but I love it too, that they hit the person's music as they're running out. And I get it's to get the reaction from the crowd because it signifies right away that that person's coming out. But it's sort of like, is that person going to run out and help, but they're waiting in the back until their music hits? I don't know. It just always bothers me. But in any event, uh, there is a great stare down moment here after Io takes out the two, uh, Horsewomen, She has a great stare down with Shayna before she begins wearing Shayna out with the kendo stick and eventually chases her out of the ring. And we are reminded that next, that at TakeOver, it will be Shayna Baszler defending the NXT women's title against Io Shirai. Uh, I'm sort of glad they've given Candace a little bit of a push. She's been on TV more frequently. She's getting wins. She's getting showcases. Uh, hopefully, this is going to end up at some point with her getting the NXT Women's Championship match and possibly title run that she should have. Uh, we come back, and Morrow reminds us, or informs us, I should say, that Velveteen Dream versus Tyler Breeze has been announced for the NXT North American title at TakeOver, and I am half erect. That's going to be a match I am dying to see. That That's might be my most anticipated match at the TakeOver card, at least so far. I don't know. Speaking of matches I'm not so anticipating, next week we're going to get Mia Yim versus Bianca Belair, Again, um, like I'm a huge Mia Yim fan, not as big of a Bianca Belair fan. Certainly not her gimmick, um, but I think I've just seen this like three times now. I'm I'm sort of like I don't. This isn't like Keith Lee and Dijakovic where I want to see the rematch or want to see another contest between the two. This one, I'm 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 sort of all set with these two. Like I'm ready to see them move on and do other stuff. But Bianca's sort of in that weird spot where she's finished competing at least for now for the nxt women's title other people have sort of moved into that spot but she didn't get the title and that's something that doesn't often happen in nxt usually if somebody gets elevated to that title shot level they win the title and then the former champion moves on not so much in bianca's case she didn't get the title now they're sort of looking for stuff to keep her busy without sort of freezing her out down below the title picture so mia yim is what they've chosen to go with For that reason and that reason alone, I'm imagining Bianca is going to win this match. I don't remember. I think I read the spoilers, but I can't remember what actually happened. So that's sort of the thing. I read the spoilers, but I always forget them by the time I actually go to watch the show or do this. So uh, anyway, we go back for our main event out to ringside. and Matt Riddle comes out. So Matt Riddle comes out in full bro mode, his full gear, doing his normal strut doing the chill laid back thing fist bump in the crowd. And I fucking hated that because this show opened with him being so heated at the undisputed era that he jumped them from behind, which is not something we've seen Matt Riddle do. Obviously he got heated. He got outside of his bro mode. Um, And I just didn't like that. He was right back into it. It's sort of like he should be coming out focused and pissed off because that was the whole point of the opening segment. And he just sort of like, oh, okay, well, now I've got my match, so I'm just chill again. And He shouldn't be chill at this point. That's just me. Maybe it's a small nitpick, but it just sort of bothered me a little bit. Uh, Johnny came out to his normally great reaction. Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish come out without any other members of the Undisputed Era. Riddle wants to start the match, but Johnny talks him out of it, basically telling him that his back is hurt and he should let Johnny do the heavy lifting. Um Kyle O'Reilly is a goddamn wrestling savant because this guy might be the best in the business at making wrestling look like a legit sport all the time. Everything he does looks legit, looks MMA-ish, looks like it hurts, looks like it's real, looks like it's like credible. Um, really underrated performer, Kyle O'Reilly. I know a lot of people are big fans of his, but I don't think enough national attention is given to this guy because he is fucking tremendous. Johnny and Kyle have some really nice catch wrestling early on in this thing. Uh, Riddle eventually tags in and lights Bobby Fish the fuck up with chops and kicks. I imagine Bobby Fish's goddamn chest was just ground meat at the end of this night. It was bad. Uh, Riddle was really laying into him. Riddle goes to hit the gut wrench three amigos, hits two of them on fish. O'Reilly breaks it up, so he goes to give O'Reilly the three amigos gut wrench, hits one of them, but then his back gives out on him from, I guess the story being from the attack last week and some of the damage earlier on in this match. Uh, At this point, Undisputed Era go on to a nice little run of cutting off the ring and making quick tags. Good tag team work by these two, as always. Uh, This match, guys... This match was really fucking stiff. These guys were really working into each other. Uh, the chops, the punches, the knee strikes, everything looked really stiff, really snug, Really nice job by all these guys. Looked very, very credible. Um, at one point, we get to a segment where Matt Riddle and Kyle O'Reilly are exchanging strikes. It is fucking great. These two are just just destroying each other. Uh, Just unbelievable that exchange alone is worth Watching this match for Uh, Riddle hits the ripcord knee and finally makes the hot tag To Johnny Gargano who comes in full-on house of fire at one point nigel says riddle is nowhere to be seen if you look in the back of the camera you can see him picking his arms up as he's climbing up in the corner but uh nigel clearly missed that uh Yui, the undisputed era hits the chasing the dragon and gargano kicks out that was sort of an impressive spot because that's that's been a finisher of theirs for a long time first off it's impressive they're still allowing them to use the name chasing the dragon obvious reasons uh won't be allowed in WWE. i'm guessing i'm just gonna throw that out there um But I thought it was really sort of cool that they let Gargano get the spot of kicking out of that. Uh, I don't don't know if we've seen anybody kick out of that in NXT yet. But uh, I know it's not so much their finisher, and we'll get to that in a minute in NXT at least. But it's still a pretty pretty notable move of theirs that he just kicked right out of. I like that. Um, My takeaway from this match is I absolutely goddamn need to see Kyle O'Reilly and Matt Riddle in a one-on-one match because these two are amazing, beating the ever-loving shit out of each other. Matt Riddle hits a corkscrew moonsault off the top, which apparently is called the Floating Bro. I was not aware of that, but uh, looked good anyway. uh, Pinfall is broken up. Uh, Then, perhaps the spot of the match, at least for me, uh, Johnny Gargano picks him up, I believe it was Fish, uh, picks him up for his lawn dart spot and throws him into a knee strike by Matt Riddle. The knee strike-lawn dart combo is fucking outstanding and these two need to be a regular tag team just so I can see more of that uh, Riddle hits his power bomb knee strike combo on Fish but O'Reilly pulls him out before the three count at this point you know sh- shenanigans start because Adam Cole runs down and before he can get to the ring Johnny Gargano jumps off and takes him out This allows, out of nowhere, Roderick Strong to jump Matt Riddle from behind. He hits a vicious backbreaker, throws him back into the ring. This allows Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish to hit the high-low, and then they get the win. Undisputed Era immediately go to full-on attack dog mode, and they beat the crap. I'm sorry, I said crap. Beat the shit out of the faces. Um, And then they stand over him and taunt him, particularly Cole screaming at Gargano. I got to tell you guys, this was a pretty damn good episode, and it's mostly due to the credit of that main event. Um, the Velveteen Dream Tyler Breeze segment was outstanding. Uh, both those guys, maybe it's just the energy of Tyler Breeze returning. I mean, the, the dialogue wasn't perfect, but it was still very good. There were, like I said, a lot of subtle jabs, a lot of insider stuff that, that made it sort of riveting for a, an, a big fan to watch. Um, Mansoor and Maluda, Malouda, eh, you can skip it uh candace you can skip it nothing special there check out kathy kelly Uh, (laughs) every week you should check out kathy kelly because goddamn really seriously uh then you have like i said the breeze and dream segment worth the price of admission and of course the main event really the just go check out this main event and i think we say that every week about nxt but these two these two teams just beat the shit out of each other um, it was competitive it was hot fast paced it really didn't have many lulls or slow spots into it um, these guys are absolute goddamn pros and it's a pleasure to get to watch this show every week and see action like that it is such a palate cleanser from the main roster and that's why I love doing this show every single week and even if I stop watching the goddamn main roster at some point which I gotta tell you folks I'm not far from from just doing at this point but but if I ever do that, I guarantee you I will maintain my watching habits of NXT because this show is fantastic each and every week. It is the best program on the WWE Network, and I will argue that with Jeff to the desk because I know Jeff thinks 205 Live is the best program every week. It's not. But the in-ring action on 205 Live is great. I'm not going to throw any shade on Jeff. But that is going to do it for this week's episode, and hopefully next week I'll be back with a co-host, and we can uh, dig into things because next week will be the go-home episode of NXT as we head into a very abrupt, very quick TakeOver 25. We're going to have our predictions for TakeOver. Hopefully we get the other uh, hosts' predictions as we come into that. But until then, we will NXT you next week.